Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined by my victim and co-host, Alex Dantino. Oh, okay, I'm excited, I've been waiting. Alright, maybe not the most Candyman intro I expected, but hey, we're doing it. We're on the fly. I'm so fucking excited. I've been wanting to do Candyman for 200 plus episodes, and now we're here. All right, guys, before we get started, a quick moment for business. Please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. That helps us out so much, guys. We appreciate all of you that have been doing that. Thank you so much. Uh, This October, Deep Dive has gone exceptionally well, so we wanted to extend an extra thank you for everyone for downloading so many shows with us. Uh, watching all these movies with us and making it super fun. Thank you, guys. Home stretch. Here. You, home stretch. We're almost there. You guys can see our faces and hear our voices on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Some cool new stuff over there. We're working on some uh, some really fun stuff that hopefully we'll start rolling out soon. So make sure to subscribe over there, Nerd Alchemist. You can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail dot com or find us on any social media site. You're on Facebook. Instagram at Film Alchemist Pod, Twitter at Film underscore Alchemist. Uh, you can get a hold of us, reach out to us there. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. New, old, double feature, guest host. Whatever you got. Uh, theme for a whole month. Every December, we stuff your stocking. Uh, that is an all listener selection month. So it's a great time to get in early and get in now. I already with your got one. Best choices. Did I tell you that? Yeah. We, did you get one? I got one. Holy for shit. I'm excited. Listener Mackie Smith. Oh, nice. Yeah, usually we can't get to all of them every year, so make sure you get in with good ones. It seems like this year we're going to get a lot more than normal, so be prepared, guys. Uh, we're excited for that. But, yeah, we just like hearing from you. All right, enough business. Um, So Candyman <laughs> is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, For those of you who know me or know this show, I fucking adore Clive Barker. His kind of vision of how he sees and tells horror, I feel like is probably the closest to my soul of any filmmaker or writer. There's something always very depraved, but emotionally resonant with him, right? I I feel so much empathy with Clive Barker's stories, which feels weird, because on the surface, I think people just see the gore and the, the body horror, and they think it's very devoid of emotion. I think Candyman, especially on film is probably the best version of what he does so well. Um, I'm always shocked that Candyman isn't always mentioned in the pantheon of the great horror movie villains. I'm surprised that it just kind of floundered as it did. Uh, we'll get to all that, man. I just I just wanted to say how much I fucking love Candyman. Um, Alex, your opening thoughts on Candyman. I also love Candyman. This actually is a movie I saw. It's funny, like actually um, earlier in the month we talked with our friend Rob Parr about uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. The way he saw House of a Thousand Corpses the first time is eerily similar to the way I saw Candyman for the first time. This neighborhood <laughs> that was filled with rich people that uh, Rob and I grew up near. Uh, this is the exact same setting I saw Candyman. Like we went over, I went over to this girl I was dating's house, and she was rich and she lived in this rich neighborhood and she loved candy man i'm like i'd never seen it and we sat down and watched it and just got my fucking hair blown back it was 
unbelievable experience. But like, as I got older, I watched it again and again. And I, cause the first time you watch it for me, like when I was younger, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm a jackass. So like, I've literally watched it. I was like, well, that was scary. And then I watched it again and again. And like, <laughs> once you start like <laughs> spending time, like actually paying attention to what's going on and learning a little bit more about it itself, the movie's resonance and meaning is so much deeper and so much more interesting. And again, Tony Todd just gives like an all timer performance. Like I cannot understand why he's not in the Pantheon. I mean, he is right for me. He is. He is. I think, I think most people who are film buffs or especially horror buffs. I think almost every one of them I know really cherishes Candyman. Yeah. I think the thing with Candyman is they just never made that big crossover splash. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I think maybe it's just, it's so much more intimate than other horror that maybe it's just harder for people. Um, Because one of the things that strikes me as I get older, right? The man with the hook and the bees, all that shit is awesome. Yeah. The voice, the stunning look of him, all of that is fucking cool, right? The mural on the wall. When you watch it and you're young, you're very captivated, you know, very much like our leads in this film. You're just like, wow, what is this? I want to get closer. As I get older and older, you just find so much depth in this movie. And the yeah. thing that I found so strange is, I guess today when I was watching it, I I was struck so much by the yearning of Candyman. And I yeah. think that separates him a lot, right? So this isn't Freddy saying, you know, it's prime time, bitch, you know, yeah. and just fucking smashing someone through a TV. His kind of running ghostly narration through the film you know, be my victim, right? You know, why do you want to live and do a... Like, his pulling her deeper and deeper into the world isn't a place of just straight-up abuse, right? Like, a lot of these horror movies are. Right. Jason, you walked into my camp. Michael, you have some of my genetics and whatever. You know, Freddie, your parents burned me a lot. They all have these things. Yeah. Candyman is just a little different, right? Because it starts off with this very set rule, right? Don't say his name five times in a mirror. If I'm being honest, even as an adult man right now, I still to this day have never done it, nor would I. Nope, uh, absolutely know? not. Because yeah. it's one I of can, those things that's so I can emphatically so say I've never done it, 100%. Right. And one of the funny things in this film is how much they start violating that rule as we go on. Um, And it becomes really fucking interesting, right? So this thing of... Candyman haunting those who are pulling him in. It's a really different perspective than most of these major horror franchises. You have to call him out, right? He has to be summoned by us, right? And it's it really struck me weird this week, too, because I watched that American Crime documentary, mm. which if you haven't seen it on Netflix, it's really fascinating. It's that guy who killed his family in Colorado, yeah. but... Uh, it's all done through like actual footage so you see him lying in real time and this and that it's fucking wild right Uh, andrea watched it and she couldn't sleep that was like well yeah amy ran out of the room she's like his daughter's on i was like oh "Oh, yeah yeah, that i mean i get it it sucks but it made me think of Candyman in a way the way that we dredge up his horrendous story and his abuse and his murder Mm -hmm. As our fucking entertainment, as our thesis papers, as our right. fun ghost story. Well, I think that's the and really... so us mucking around in that. We have to bring him out. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing that makes it the something that I noted this viewing and I had never like paid attention to before is and maybe it's just because we're like we're almost through the month and we've watched 
to be fair, like, you know, we've watched a lot of this out of order and like we've been backlogging since June. But the one thing that I've noticed, particularly running up to like this episode is I think of all the movies we've watched this month, like, I don't know why, but I feel like this one's the most cinematic. It's weird to say that this that way, but this movie does like Bernard Rose does such a good job of making things seem I'm not sure like the eeriness of it all is the thing that I think I've noted the most. And again, we've talked a lot of like the critique of like, Oh, like Haddonfield as a character and that kind of shit. Like you and I have talked about that and that's kind of a cop out a lot of the time, but I feel like much more than any to any other movie we've watched this month location is so important to Candyman and such an important part of the movie itself and it's not necessarily Chicago, but Cabrini Green. Like, my brother lived in Chicago for a long time. You live in Indiana. You're close as well. We got lost in Cabrini Green once, and it was the first time I ever saw my dad be actually scared. I mean, that's exactly what He it, literally, it, like, locked the door and was like, who am I good? He, like, woke us up. We were, like, going uh, to a Cubs game, and he's, like, slamming the gas, like, flying. So he was terrified of being near Cabrini Green. Yeah. And this was right around the same age that I found Candyman. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> it's really fascinating, though. Like, the things that I noticed the most this time were these, like, huge, wide-open overhead shots of mm. neighborhood, Chicago in general. And, like, just the scope of the movie itself is so much bigger this time because of, like, the thing I noted the most was just the like the complete different the completely different lives that Helen is living versus when she like goes to Cabrini Green all we're seeing is you know that bathroom or where like like one of my all-time favorite yeah. set pieces which is the mouth um it's just like one of the coolest set pieces I've ever seen mm -hmm. in a fucking horror movie but like and then you go back to her house or you go back to that place that they all have dinner at after she meets up with Jake uh, it's just like this fascinating um not, not jake sorry that happened later but like it's just this really fascinating um dichotomy of like wood paneling and all this stuff and it's very like again the racial component of this movie is really important and i never like dawned on me when i was younger i don't know why maybe it's just the year we're in but this time particularly i was noting it much more than ever before it's really fascinating well, when you're a child, I think we still see the world as just good and bad, right? right? I don't think we have, like, I don't think my kids have any concept of what racism is, you know what I mean? Like, right. they don't hate anyone yet, right. right? And I think as you get older, you harden into things. Continue not to hate you, well, right, but you, like, see people that choose to, right. right? And so it's different when you're older. I mean, the thing they do in this movie, too, is this, uh, the juxtaposition is really forced down your throat, if you will, because... She lives in the exact same building, the exact same design and layout of each room is the same as her rich person apartment. Right. Right. But when you go to Cabrini Green, we see how very different those two buildings can be. They talk about Chicago's like, oh, there was no barrier to keep people out. So they took what was supposed to be a project and made it rich person housing. Right. right? And so that that mixed with them going in, you know, and being afraid and seeing the graffiti literally across the front door of this mom who's just trying to do the best she can. Yeah. Those are really powerful images, right? So not only when she walks through the giant candy man mouth, is it a very wonderland moment, right? Like mm -hmm. now we're down the rabbit hole. You could argue the moment she gets in her car and drives into the ghetto period. This is Helen just like, Oh bother. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. kind of tea party is this? Well, <laughs> like, I mean, I think that's the fascinating <laughs> thing, too, is uh, the first time her and Bernadette are going to go, she is, like, without abandon, not worried about danger. And it's, like, the only person... See, I don't, I don't know if it's that, because what she says, right, is, like, do you think that those two would do it? And she says no, and she's, like, exactly. So I think she knows the danger. But this is another thing I don't know what you thought of. This one plays a lot more with Helen as the... Uh, exploitative character oh totally i thought way that... more than i remembered as a kid i actually kind of remembered her as like a do-gooder and no. in this movie watching it yeah. today i was like this i agree I lady mean, I think is that's... exploiting everyone it's really fascinating because it does kind of come with age where you're like oh wow helen is kind of a total douchebag like from like the top of the movie <laughs> you're just like oh like she's just trying to like it's interesting because the concept really is that she's just trying to outdo her husband essentially and again there's like yeah. a lot of this like sort of her and her husband are kind of almost competitive in the way that they like he's teach like she comes in all hot and pissed because he's teaching urban legends yeah. when she's like literally trying to write her semiotics paper on and she's like why do you gotta and do he that comes in all hot and sticky it's just a real bad relationship yeah, it's not great and again like i fucking <laughs> Dude, Xander Berkeley is one of my all-time favorite like haphazard white guys in movies because he's just always that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. I feel like he's haphazard just, white guy. He's just constantly like that guy might be trouble, or he's just someone's dad. You can never really tell. Like he's just right. always around. <laughs> he's the Yahtzee board game of whites. Yeah, but he's, no. <laughs> But that's what's weird, right? Like there were moments where I was like, I was stunned by this today Um, because the the really funny scene I saw was this because I used to read it as almost romance, right? Like, oh, this is a gothic romantic ghost tale, right? A little bit. Yeah, totally. It's not that at all, though, because I think the mirror becomes a the mirror to me became way more important, especially watching part two today Mm -hmm. where this movie plays an enormous amount with the image of self, right? Obviously, Candyman was destroyed of his self-image because he started to think that he was accepted and fit in with the world because he he thought it was a true meritocracy. Right. I've done well. I, you know, have the skill, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I can fall in love with a girl. Not so much. Right. Then he's fucking jumped and brutalized, as we see in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, And Helen has this, too. Right. Because the scene when the cleaning ladies tell her about this lady who died is she's scrolling through the newspaper. Right. The microfilm or whatever. Mm -hmm. She has this disgusting smile on her face. Oh, yeah. And they're playing this kind of jaunty, like, meet-cute music, which feels really out of place with these big sweeping... I love Clyde Barker movies, because, like, Hell Rates Oh, it's like these big operatic themes, right? It makes you feel like you're watching this big opera. But that theme was kind of small and jaunty, and I was like, this fucking bitch. (laughs) Like, this must be how her husband feels when he sees a a new student in Gap jeans, you know what I mean? She is fucking pumped that this lady died. And then she starts going in and like even something as little as that boy just exploiting the shit out of him. Right. Like, right. Oh, well, I mean, you could show me. He's like, I can't say anything. Right. They'll kill me. And then she's just like, well, if you're a fucking huge puss, I guess. And she she incriminates this little boy into her fucking uh, her thesis paper, knowing full well that he could suffer true consequences yeah. because of it. It becomes, and then obviously Candyman kind of foists that upon her later with the, you know, Anthony and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that, that playing with Helen is, I, cause I don't know if I saw it as like a Pandora's box scenario or 
you know, like a an Icarus flying too close to the sun, but it never quite dawned on me enough when I was younger how Helen is kind of being punished for her own her own delusions of grandeur. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one way to put it. Like, to me, it's... Like, doesn't she say when she gets jumped, like, we're going to get published? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I mean, that's like... But that, I mean... I feel like that's almost like this weird academic badge of honor she tries carrying because yeah. like you think about it too. And like later on, like right before Candyman reveals himself in the parking lot, she's positively giddy with a lot like with their like, like she's still, like, she's still going with this. Like the idea mm -hmm. is that she's like she, what she's happy about though. And this is like the thing that is really fascinating to me is she's happy that she's, she believes she's essentially proven this urban legend wrong like i think that's or in a way changed its form to where now right. she can bury a ponytail mcbutthole right which i mean which again, is her like, true mission this is what ends up happening anyways but like that i think is the kind of crazy thing is she's excited that her thesis essentially is that hey we invent these things for ourselves like it, it comes up earlier in the movie like when they're on their way out to cabrini green for the first time and bernadette and her literally stop the car and they're talking about it. And she's like, she brings it up. Like she's a skeptic until that moment in the parking lot because you see the fear in her eyes. But like up until that point, even after getting, even after hearing the stories, getting beaten, like all kinds of shit, she's a skeptic the entire time. And it starts right in that car when she says people's lives are so terrible in Cabrini green that they're willing to make up urban legends to explain away like these mythic creatures to explain away the horrors of their lives. And I'm like, hmm. that is, I mean, that to me is that's mythology in and of itself. Again, like this movie has such layers and depth and much more. It's so much deeper than I ever remember it being. And so much more interesting yeah. too. Like, I well, mean, if you dig in on what you were just saying, right to your point of like them writing a mythology or accusing the people of Cabrini green when they meet the mother, right. And she comes out with their dog and lets him in. She's like, let me guess. We're all bad people. Yep. We're all doing drugs. So they've had to make their own myths to explain how Cabrini Green can happen, right? Without yeah. a candy man, right? Totally. So the mom the mom kind of calls him out like, you know, you fucking people, you only come down here to exploit us or say that something's bad. And, right. you know, it's not your fault, right? Very much how they think Candyman's used. So it is this weird constant layering the... And this is why I think the Candyman drop is really fascinating. Because it comes a little later in the movie than you may think, right? We get that, the opening uh, scene that takes place in my, my home state of Indiana, right? With the uh, the leather-bound bad boy, Ted Raimi. Yeah, can we talk real quick? I just want to say, I got to give Bernard yeah. Rose credit for making Ted Raimi a badass. Which, again, never thought was possible. Well, I think it was her previous boyfriend was a bad boy, so she got like the fucking Dollar General version. Yeah, like literally he like and She's like I'm going to go straight to guy who buys his leather jacket at maybe like, you know, uh it's... some forbidden some forbidden acts in the Cuz I was like that's a weird I was like I don't know if that was in Tiger Beat that month or what like where you get the idea for Candyman foreplay. Hey uh let's let's bend over, lather up and then uh, just say the name of some other persons that we wish was here instead of us as we look at ourselves in the mirror in shame. Again, <laughs> again, the Ted Raimi as a bad boy thing was truly inspired stuff. It's 
one of my all-time favorite castings. I had to point that out real quick. But that scene is was the that funniest scene is wild too. To your point, yeah, yeah, because Ted Ray. So Ted Raimi goes down and just gets all fucking splayed out on the couch, like oh, yeah. drinking that beer. He's like, gang, 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 gang. sorry, I'm gonna drink this, drinking this. Or Michelob he nutted Ultra. faster than uh, Michael Myers' brother. We don't know, or Michael <laughs> Myers' sister's boyfriend. We don't know for sure which happened. But Ted Raimi looked loose. Maybe he already got it in. And next thing you know, the blood just gagooshing from the ceiling. And then they're just like, oh, and Candyman killed a baby. So you're like, whoa! You're like, this guy's coming in hot. And then yeah. we don't really see him for a long time. And the movie starts playing that he's not real. Yeah. We see the, uh, the you know, imitator Candyman. You're like, all right, maybe they're setting us up. And his intro is fucking gorgeous. And awesome. to me, it's what separates him in this movie, which is, his kind of he stands far away, right? When it, we see him in the mirror t- retellings, he's always right on you. He stands pretty far away. You know, he's like, "Be my victim." Yeah. He's asking her, which is strange, and then he's like, "You know, I'm the writing on the wall. You have made people not believe in me. So now I must spill innocent blood, right?" So there is this cuz that's the other weird thing. Helen already said his name earlier in the the movie. Yes. Right. So he came in or she called him. He didn't come to her then. Maybe you could say he was already luring her. Cause that was another thing I noticed. So he's in the reflection when she's in the, the Candyman room taking pictures. Right. Is that when he started following her or when she said his name five times? Right. They don't really hint, but you get the idea that it's weird because it feels like he didn't want her and she just kept fucking pushing him. I mean, I think that I think you did want her. I think that, well, I mean, you find out much later why. But at the same time, like, I think he did want her. He's biding his time, though. Like, to me. Because his exact line, right, was you were not uh, content with the story. So I was obliged to. Co-. Also, Candyman just speaks like a true fucking badass. Yes. Like every line he has in this movie is like a poetic chef kiss. To me. Like, I love the writing for him. Uh, and then, yeah, the the other weird thing is he uh, he says, without these things, right, the writing on the wall and this and that, I'm nothing. Right. So it almost as if he's like, bitch, I gave you the stories. You had everything you needed. And you just kept coming. You just kept – because in a way, right, she's taking another hand. She's taking his life force again and using it for her own good. Right. And this is where the movie gets really cool. I think this is a part that often gets washed over. His plan for the rest of the movie is to turn her into him. Yeah. Like, he's making his own Candyman now, which is wild. Because it never dawns me. It's like, imagine the urban legends that crop up after Helen's adventure, right? We see at the end of the movie when everyone's walking to her funeral and they have that angelic mural. You're like, she is her own hero now. Yeah. And we get a hint that she gets to go on doing what she wants, too. I mean, I think so it's, that's it's really a cool turnaround. Right. And I think that's probably the thing that makes me the most sad that we're not going to get to see Candyman this year, the, the Nia DaCosta movie. But like because I have a feeling we would get so much more of that in this new one. But I love this. I love that this sort of like it, it changes from that, like eternal love thing, because that's the thing I do like about Clive Barker movies is there are occasionally like echoes of eternity through the stories and like there is this sort of weird gothic romance thing going on a lot of the time but i love that it instead turns into take upon the mantle like take up my mission 
because it is like it is sort of this it does feel that way like there is a little bit of that going on and it feels that way when like when the bees swarm and they kiss and that kind of shit like Mm -hmm. i feel that that's what the presence is meant to be is like you must keep this going like not just continue my legend but you have to keep this yourself it's pretty fast well i think she becomes a part of it right so instead of just him it's now this he drove her to become this killer. It's very much like Slenderman, right? Like mm. Slenderman obviously jocked a lot of what it is off of the Pied Piper and Candyman. Right. It's kind of this same thing, this forbidden character, that if we can somehow tap a little bit of what they have, right? So Helen wants to tap in and steal it for herself, bury Ponytail Mc, uh, McDouche Nugget, and become fucking rich and famous and be all over the place, right? Get a boyfriend who's not like a five who cheats on her all day long. Right, right, yeah. So she's trying to steal and co-op Candyman, and then he co-ops her, right? Right. It's just this really cool... Again, it's this... As he was caught, now he's capturing her. And it's not just... Because, again, this is what's different, right? If that's Michael Myers, knife. If it's Jason Voorhees, machete. If it's Freddy, you know, maybe you're in an N64 game, and then you get got, right? Like, they, they have their methods, but it always ends in that. This is so much different because Candyman taps into that thing that maybe Freddy's dead played with a little bit, right? Which is what happens when you just slaughter the world and it's gone. Like when Freddy's stuck in that pocket universe and he's killed all the kids and it's like that creepy Roseanne and Tom Arnold carnival, right? And you're like, oh, good God, that's a fate worse than hell. Freddy really is tortured, Bugs Bunny. This one kind of gets into that where it feels like the Candyman is a tragic figure because maybe he doesn't want to do these things. But without it, he will become nothing, right? I think as he starts saying it, he has these beautiful lines, which is, um, I can't remember what he said. It's like, you can live life without suffering. All, all you have left is my desire for you, right? Right. There's just these really fucking cool lines, you know, where he's letting her make these choices and she just keeps fucking up. I mean, I guess she doesn't make a lot of decisions after that. But when she wakes up in that apartment, you're like, she didn't choose that. No. But she did choose to go there and start poking around. Yeah. I mean, right. She Bernadette kept saying, let's leave. Let's leave. So by proxy, she kind of picked the target. The woman she was trying to exploit, knowing that she could become a target like the child is now a target. I don't know. What do you make of this turn when she wakes up in the bloody hotel room? I mean, I mean, from a storytelling perspective, for me, it's about it's about setting Helen on the path of reinvigorating the story of the Candyman. Like Mm -hmm. she is responsible in more ways than one for coming up with a rational explanation for the irrational. And I think that's the thing that makes horror movies great in general, like especially movies like this, like Candyman, Halloween, any movie we've really watched this month, like everybody wants to find the rational explanation nobody ever mm. wants to have nobody ever wants to have to explain things as just like oh it's just a thing that happens like nobody everybody always needs an explanation <laughs> and that is the yeah. scariest thing about something like Candyman is when you cannot explain something so for helen to wake up in that situation and not be able to explain it but simply no but then like she takes a step further. And this is the thing that struck me this time, too, was she takes that step further and fucking takes that cleaver to that woman's arm. And you're like, that's a decision right there. That's a huge decision right there. Well, in her mind, it's like, does she think that that lady 
chopped her own dog's head off could and be like, but jesus I mean, christ i would go further than that though like i'd say like it's almost this you return to you this sort of baser instinct of like kill or be killed and this woman wasn't this woman was more upset that her baby obviously her baby is gone and her, the crib's covered in blood understandably she's like hey there's a white lady in here what the fuck's going on so yeah she's curious as the kids would say that's not a chill night bro that would not be a chill night <laughs> not a chill that. night not at all no but it's it's but so it's fascinating to me and it's kind of cool too because it operates in this i'll give you your exact wish which right. is now you get to live in now the story you, live you were within chasing, the right? legend itself like i think that's yeah, the you crazier are thing. the legend <laughs> i think that's what it's, it is it's though. rad though but but because you can see when she's getting interrogated they keep being like you're sick Answer the question. And she's just, she keeps blinking like, what? Yeah. what? She doesn't understand. Not me. And again, like Virginia Madsen's amazing in this movie. I, I fucking love oh, yeah. her and everything, but she's particularly wonderful in this because she does such Indeed. a great job of disarming us in a lot of ways that like, I don't think we expect it to be because again, you're right. Like when she's being interrogated, her sort of like, I think it's, it's not like she doesn't believe it because she's seen it. She's aware of what's happened. She's seen the candy man himself. I think what it is more is disbelief in that she has no control over it. There is no control left. Like all this control that she, she thought she found with this explanation of the weird is gone, eradicated in a moment. And not only that, she now has to contend with the fact that reality has set in along with this weirdness so now she has to continue. When you are both. the rationalist who finds yourself in irrational times, that's right. a hard place. Well, uh, one of the things they do I love is they do that old, uh, like, Dracula, Bella Lugosi lighting. Yeah. Where, oh, like, whenever the, Candyman talks yeah. to her, it's just on her eyes, right? Yeah. Like, she has a secret. She sees a world that we don't see. And that's really cool, right? So we get that. She wakes up in this fucking opening scene from Dark City. Hacks that bitch. <laughs> now she's in jail, right? Yeah. And it's just this really flat interrogation room writing. The detective who was her friend is like, oh, you helped us put away the Underlord guy. Cool. Now he's just like talking to her like she is a non-existent. Right. Right. And she keeps blinking her eyes and like holding them tight. Right. And to me, it was like she's trying to open her eyes from that that dream light that she had before. And I was like, so beautifully done. And then the candy man keeps coming back to her in those moments where it feels like she wants to hear what he has. Oh, like leaning in. It's it's a really beautiful little motif. But that scene in the interrogation room where she just keeps trying to open her eyes. Yeah. Uh, after she thinks she's gone through the indignities that are beneath her, right. you know, in her fancy version of that apartment. Uh, it was just lovely, it lovely, is. lovely, lovely. And that's what I mean. Those, those little elements are what make this so so awesome man and i agree um the candy man continuing to kind of hunt her becomes a little scarier because now instead of just this you're fighting a murderer uh not only are you losing all your loved ones and people close to you but it just becomes impossible to explain that you're not the murderer yeah right like when bernadette gets killed it is a gut-wrenching moment. Oh, my God. Like, but see, that's horrible. Like the, this is the thing I love the most about this, especially on this viewing, is putting her in the putting her in the seat of the it's we all know it's the Candyman. 
Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that I love the most is like the audience is aware and we're all screaming it through the screen and we're trying desperately to help this woman. But we realize like this viewing particularly, like she has, Helen's kind of brought this on herself, man. Like, well, even that moment, she kind of pauses like she can't speak. Right. And when she calls out to Bernadette, it's so weak. She it made me be like, oh, my God, does she want Bernadette to come in? Because she has like two or three of those moments where you're like, I think she could have done better. <laughs> like, that's definitely one of them, right? Can't right. even like, I need you for a plan. You know, you're part of my plan. And then she's like, uh, 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 Bernadette, uh. It's like, scream, bitch. Right. Like, don't answer. Don't say anything, right? <laughs> like, be cool. Right. But no, she got Bernadette got. And when she sees Bernadette all ripped up, it's just agonizing because she's already in handcuffs. And it gives you this movie plays with one of those things that always works on me in a horror movie, which is where you see people who we know are being honest, treated as if they're insane and just like right. bound and locked. That is horrifying. Well, and I me. think that's the thing I like the most about Helen's predicament is she's not insane, but everything happening around her is like. The supernatural is the supernatural because we can't explain it. So imagine being someone rational, trying to explain something completely irrational. And I think that's the thing that makes the Candyman mythos that much more terrifying is it's not explainable. All it is is all you have is the result of the unexplainable. And that, Mm -hmm. to me, is what makes the presence of the Candyman, of the Candyman himself, so much more terrifying is it's not – like it's not like Freddy Krueger to me. Like Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. is oddly explainable in a certain way to yeah. all these people. Like everyone's like, Oh yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. We burned that guy alive. No wonder he's back. Of course. Like this one is sort of this like <laughs> nebulous. And again, I, I know that we've talked about this already, but like the thing that I kept coming back to watching this movie is of course, all these hoity toity people would forget about this. And not only that, would forget about this horrible indig- horrible injustice, this horrible indignity done to not just a black man, but an artist who, like you said, believed in the meritocracy of the society he had lived in. And so for all these people to not only like not believe in it, but also to chalk it up to legend probably makes that even not right. more frustrating, but that much more terrifying and that much more hard to explain when you have to explain the unexplainable. I absolutely feel bad for Helen, but I also, again, kind of feel like she brings it on herself because she literally constantly, at least at the beginning of the movie, puts herself in that position. (laughs) Well, I mean, that becomes the scarier thing when you think about the movie from a distance, right? Which is all she had to do was just keep being a rich white lady. Yeah. And she's fine because Candyman only exists for people who believe in him. Yeah. And then once you do, he will destroy you or someone close to you and leave you as this human wreckage to spread his web. Right. So there's a there's a more randomness and tragic part of this because the community that he's a part of remembers the indignation he suffered and the crime committed against him. And for that, they are unfairly targeted and exploited and destroyed by him. Right. Right. And, you know, and that's a pretty powerful statement when you watch this movie, especially today. You're like, fuck, man. Like, just because they remember how wrong it was, they're more likely to be done in by him than, you know, 
uh, but like fucking butthole ponytail guy at the restaurant. It's like, <laughs> I did that 10 years ago and I'm fine. I'm still here being a big pretentious dick hoe. Right? right. He's but fine. I mean, but, but that lady who lives next door and just knows that Candyman is a real threat. She's the one who loses her kid right. for six weeks. Well, because again, like it's the belief in something that is unexplainable that I think again, induces that fear. And that's the thing that, is most fascinating to me about the movie itself is everyone who everyone who should believe doesn't believe like everyone who like literally yeah like ponytail mcdickhead at the dinner table literally is like oh yes of course i read a paper on that years ago and Candyman country <laughs> but again you're, you're, like, you're looking cool, at dude. that guy and you're like cool. yeah but you didn't go do the research you literally read about it in a book and then pontificated on it for 20 hours like that would have been a great scene, oh, him yeah, just right. walking through those holidays. But like Ooh. Bernadette and Helen <laughs> going and experiencing that, and again, Helen doesn't believe literally until, literally until the physical act of violence is committed against her, and even then she has trouble. Believing. Well, right once she's suffering, then she's like, once oh, she suffers, she oh, decides my, to believe. Nice. But even then, she's skeptical. It's not until he literally has to present himself and say. You have fucked up my shit. Now you're going to help me get it back. Is when well, I'm saying until goes, her shit is fucked up, which is when she goes to the insane asylum. That's when she's like, this is probably real. Because I think even when she gets out of jail the first time, no, I she's agree. still in disbelief all the way that this was Candyman. She's still in disbelief that her husband was fucking a graduate student. You're like, there's a lot of lying to ourselves going on here. Oh, man, how's about um, that? In the very beginning of the movie, she calls him out and like, she's they're fucking all right just just move on just don't don't move on from it though <laughs> just let's nah, go just move out that guy seems like he sucks like, yeah he's a total yourself, dick Ellen. he literally like did the thing you didn't want him to just do you're, like you're virginia madsen go do something else jeez that's true that's true but when she got out and came back to his apartment i literally wrote the pun like guess dingus gets off the hook <laughs> oh shit but he didn't which is even better but <laughs> But no, um, there's a line the Candyman said, which I, I thought was really cool today. The um, What was the exact line? He said, I exist as rumor, and it is a blessed condition, right? Right. I thought that was amazing, because I kept asking myself the question, why does the Candyman want to exist in this form, right? Because the thing is, they give Candyman a bit of a soft edge, right? Where it seems like he was the tragic victim of this horrific abuse. And now he has to keep committing these heinous crimes against the people that don't deserve it. Just to spread his name, right? So I spent the first probably half, two-thirds of the movie asking myself why Candyman, this hero, or this hero, not hero, this uh, murdering ghost or whatever. Or maybe hero. like Pinhead, though. Hero to some, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Um, Why... Why does he keep fighting to keep this rumor going? Why? Because he says it's a blessed condition, but that's not what I see on the screen there, Candyman. So it got to this point of, and I think you see it a little bit in Helen, where they're trying to tell us that a person can be so broken and so hollowed out that maybe that complete lack of anything becomes this unfillable chasm. What did you make of this? I thought it was a really cool idea 
Because, again, I would say what separates Candyman is this little bit of empathy we can have for him. Right. That you just don't get out of any of the major characters, right? Like, I can't think of one. Like, not Michael, not Jason, definitely not Freddy because he was a fucking pedophile before he got burned. Uh, Not the Leprechaun. Not Chucky. He was a serial killer. Like, not Leatherface. He's a, I mean, I guess he got abused into eating concert goers, but still... And besides, yeah, isn't he doing he? us all? Isn't he doing us all a favor by ridding the world of hippies? As far as I'm concerned, all right. So maybe Leatherface, maybe Leatherface. As far as I'm concerned, Leatherface is actually a PSA for don't be a hippie. <laughs> you like the Grateful Dead? Then we're grateful you're dead. No, <laughs> that's Leatherface's T-shirt under his apron. No, I'm just. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'll you should have read I'll my fight. jokes on that ten years ago. <laughs> but that's what I was. Uh, it's a weird thing to ask. To have your audience ask, why does the Candyman want this game to go? Why keep being the rumor and the story? Why not just let go of all this fucking pain and agony that he still seems to suffer? I mean, I don't know. I think that's... This is a weird thing to say about a movie like this, but I feel like the explanation lies within the eye of the beholder. Like, to me, that is... That's, like, sort of the beauty of a movie like this like it's hard to explain like yes why would an entity such as the candy man decide you know what i'm gonna hold on to this and just sort of be pissed for like ever i'm gonna be a vengeful pissed off spirit it makes sense that he's pissed but like here a scene that we talked about right before we started uh the dick ripper scene yeah so this is one of those scenes that I think it's overlooked a lot, but is truly one of the more horrific scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Hardcore. So just a little boy who has disabilities, it seems like. Um, his mom sends him away because he's being disruptive, whatever. He just needs to use the restroom. In doing that, and I don't know that they ever show or say that he called Candyman on himself, Candyman rips up, reaches up from inside the toilet and rips off his genitalia. And leaves the kid bleeding on the floor. The other little kid in the modern time is pretty much like, better off dead. Some things you can't fix. Um, Just scars and maims this boy. Now, you could take this as one of these retelling stories, very much like Ted Raimi, uh, Arthur Fonzarelli flashback. Maybe it didn't happen, but it seems like something occurred. The bathroom was marked in a really, really thick fecal drawing. Very thick. Um, there were bees in that toilet. Mm-hmm. I guess I meant maybe you could fault an unreliable narrator. But anyways, let's assume this happened. I wouldn't assume that. So this gets into what is one of the harder things about Candyman for me. Um, that they kind of course correct in Candyman too. Um, Do they? Victims that don't seem like they've done anything wrong. Right. I guess you just call his name. But, again, we start getting into this. People die who don't call his name. Bernadette never called his name. Right. I mean, I think that there's – I mean, he says that, like, it's the begin. Well, it's the like, the first opening. It's the innocent blood must be shed. Like, I think that there's – Oh, that's – but, yeah, but, see, now that's – so Candyman having to destroy these innocents is, I think, one of the harder things in the movie. Because there's no catharsis but, watching him kill a lot of these people. Well, there's no catharsis in that sense. But this is the other thing, too. And I think this is the harder thing for a lot of – I've thought a lot about Yeah, this. that's what he says when the bee swarm comes up. Uh, to, what's his blood if not for shedding? Right. And I think that's the thing that's – it's the hardest thing about 
the Candyman to really kind of like grasp because in my opinion, there is a lot that's very tragic about Candyman. Uh, I think that Candyman's existence is very tragic. I think Candyman's past is very tragic. I think his future is very tragic because Day of the Dead is Day of the Dead. But nevertheless, um, I'm not sure. Candyman is this character. There is a lot of tragedy. So to me, the the shedding of innocent blood is almost it's weird it's sort of almost a misnomer because i feel like if i was the can it's hard to say if i was the candy man but uh i'm not sure anyone's innocent in but a lot is, of regards so this is the because if i'm the candy man and someone gave me that name is they're murdering me with bees and chopped my hand off and fucking took my love away just because i like you know fell in love with a you know girl of a, a different class a different race that i was not allowed to be a part of um, I feel like my first ghostly mission would be like, well, I'm going to murder those fucking pilgrims True. that we see in part two. <laughs> right? Like, That's a pretty understandable thing. Maybe their descendants, right. maybe all their cousins they fucked. I'm going for that group, right? Right. This splash effect, right? This, this kind of constant, just fucking aimless pain. Right. And again, it, I think maybe today Candyman, it's weird because this it feels like the movie that would be most prescient right now with this true crime wave and the social media, like the things people will do to get fucking famous online. Uh, I'm sure the new movie will dive into a lot of that. Right. But is that the biggest sin is just like you want to take something from him too? like all of us that call his name are taking our own little pound of flesh. I mean, but, but even that is pretty kind of a philosophical point to make. It is hard to watch. Like, here's a scene that really fucked me up. That little boy who uh, Helen already kind of tricked into taking her to the bathroom. Yeah. At the end, right before that bonfire starts, he's just ready. And when Helen triggers the thing, he goes, he's here. And just knows to get his gasoline and his fire stick out. Right. So we have to assume that the candy man came to that kid and said, hey, I'm going to rip your dick off unless you start these fires when the sign is there that is an extra nefarious level that they've added on there's this whole why he keeps it going right or even if he can control it maybe that's more the point i mean uh, it's really fast it was really fascinating to me this well time. i think that's the thing about the candy man when he says you know i i am a rumor like you know, I exist, I exist in this way. Like to me to exist in a way that you are a bedtime story. You tell like to you exist in a way where you're a bedtime story. You tell your children to fuck with them to like, tell them to be good. Like I see the value in that in the boogeyman. Absolutely. Like that is what the boogeyman is. That is that what you do to Hank every night? Absolutely. I say, Hey, you better go to bed. You're going to get candy man. Hank. If you don't go to bed. You're going to get candy man. <laughs> For sure. You just start dropping little cartoon bees like from Jerry Seinfeld's bee movie on him? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> no, I'll just call Candyman like my kid's being a shit. So. Well, you've said it twice, dude, and you can probably see your own reflection. No more. That's not it. This isn't a mirror. Uh, anything you can see your face on. In part two, the guy gets killed by his own book cover. Yeah, there's a mirror. Anyways, neither Anyways. here nor there. Regardless, like, I think that's the but thing. Let me Riddle me this. Did you understand at all what his plan was at the end? <laughs> I assumed it was to subsume Helen and make, I th always like when the first time it I saw felt it, like you already did with that amazing B shot, which was so fucking awesome. cool. 
But I always assumed, and my my thought was Helen was meant to carry on and be the actual. She was supposed to be Candyman after him. Like she was, was going to be the new Candyman. Right. He was supposed to put himself to rest, and then she becomes part of the legend and the new Candyman. That's my assumption always was that because that's the mural at the end. That's the fl- the flame hair at the end. That's the idea. See, that was her as an angel because she saved them from Candyman, I thought. I thought he said, our crimes will be written on walls and bathrooms. So I I thought he, she was going to be his way to expand out from where his ashes were supposedly laid in Cabrini Green. Right. Which, in a weird way, you're like, even if they get burned in that thing, like, she's he's kind of more corporeal. She hits him with her own hook. And then Anthony's in the, the fire pit. It gets weird. Because my thing is, she already is the candy man at that point, right? So very much like those two teenage girls in Wisconsin when they started stabbing their fucking friend in the woods. And they're like, we wanted to go to Slender Mansion. They had already done their part and made Slender Man more famous than he ever could have been on a fucking wiki site. You know, so Helen had already become, because he even says, we're both already dead. Right. I mean, so it's. It's weird. Also, let me ask you this. Uh, do you think this new Naya DaCosta one is just going to explain what the Candyman was feeding Anthony for six weeks? Good Lord. <laughs> that did not look like a sanitary hook to have a toddler sucking on. I do believe that that should be covered. Um, again, we've <laughs> asked Nia DaCosta if she would come on the pod. So <laughs> We got a lot of ass. We got a lot of ass. We got a lot of uh, questions we'll be thankful for, for, for anything at this point. point. I, look, ultimately, I... It, again, I've always assumed that this movie is about the progression of a like a progression of urban legend and also about the examination of what it is that mythology does to us personally. So mm-hmm. I always assumed that Helen would literally just carry on and she'd be the hooked candy man from then on, you know? Yeah. Well, like, they, that's a good point because she kind of, in a way, has gone through what Candyman went through to some degree. Sure. Uh, different circumstances, but similar path, right? right? You know, everything taken from her unfairly. And then instead of being Candyman, existing is this blessed rumor, right? This scary, ghostly figure, right? right? The Candyman and Helen running running amok through, you know, bathrooms everywhere. Totally. Um, She stabs him and chooses a different path and climbs out. So she takes some control over her legend, right? Maybe seeing how pointless it is both ways, it's enough for her to do that one good deed and exist as that angelic mural and have those people at her funeral, right? Right. Because even the narrative said on Helen when she dies, she will be the lady that murdered a bunch of fucking people because she thought Candyman was real. Right. She's already been co-opted. He already won. But... In the same way Candyman unfairly targets the people of Cabrini Green, she is held up because they were there and witnessed. So maybe it's this her finally taking control of what matters, right? Right. They, if you can do one real world deed, that's better than all the fucking stories. Perhaps. I mean, ultimately, it's about I feel like it ends with like Helen trying to control her narrative. Like, yeah until the last scene and then we're like oh kelly uh helen is uh not doing well no she's all that baby saving did not although who didn't want that guy to die because he's just like 
Helen, I cheated on you and yeah. I didn't love Again, you. And, to oh. be fair, Xander Berkeley, maverick bad guy of any movie yeah. ever. He's like, oh, now she wants to live here. <laughs> the thing I liked most about that scene was that that lady, uh, his girlfriend, was just like, oh, man, the post-funeral mourning phase. What do we need? Uh, how about just the tittiest shirt I can possibly muster? I was like, were you just standing in front of the freezer for like 45 fucking minutes while he cried in the bathroom? God bless the 90s, man. That is. Yeah, I was just like, is that a shirt that, I mean, I've had a wife for a yeah. long time now. I've seen women in their leisure wear and their night wears, and I've never seen anything like well, that. Like, that kinds, is like, a straight up Revenge of the Nerds extra casting. That's the thing I love about like early 90s movies, especially horror movies, is <laughs> again, like, there's so many articles of clothing that have never existed before and will never exist again that find their way into the lexicon of movies like this. And certainly titty popping shirt from uh mistress number five that's the one it's just a straight up white shirt by the it's way it's so cold when, but it's it, also like why put her in that shirt while she's just like this fucking piece of shit <laughs> by the way at the beginning of the movie when he introduces all three of those women i'm like all he's doing is listing off the girls he's fucked in this class I fucked, her, I fucked her i fucked her i'm a huge sleazebag hey wife how you doing yeah, like but that's why i was so mad he got off the hook and then he was on the fucking book. <laughs> Stop. Oh, but it was cool, man, because he said Helen's name one too many times. And she got... Because that was a fun throwback, too, because when like she that. came uh, from the mental hospital, right, mm -hmm. after Candyman fucking Peter pans out the window, Caca! and she escapes, that's a weird double scene, because that's the one where she looks, she's like, I'll prove it. And she says it, knowing what's going to happen. She knows that doctor's going to get murdered. Yeah. And he didn't do anything wrong except for drug her for one month. But she's a murderer, a multiple murderer. And then when she goes into the apartment, and they're both terrified of her. And she's not a real threatening-looking person, kind of a raggedy lady. And she's just like, what's wrong? See something you're afraid of? And you see that smile for a second that she's quite enjoying yeah. doing this. That's why I think and so that to see that that's where she ends up is actually kind of, kind of badass. Yeah, man. Look, I think ultimately this movie is a wonderful cautionary tale for academics who think they know everything, for one. But also... <laughs> hey, Vice News reporters, watch Candyman. Be fucking careful. <laughs> but, I mean, for me, I do think of all the movies we've watched this month, this is my favorite. Um, I fucking really love good. Candyman. And I think it's one of those yeah. movies that's... It's a modern classic. It deserves all the praise, but ultimately it also deserves a lot of analytics and a lot of things that much smarter people than us can sit here and sit here and talk about. But I do. No, wait, we're like that ponytail guy. We're super smart and full of ourselves. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> we love those kind of guys. Yeah, honestly, like, I just think this movie is. This movie is beyond fascinating. Like, there's so many great things about yeah. it. It starts with Clive Barker. We have this amazing Philip Glass score, which we talked about briefly at the beginning. Of the show. Like, Philip Glass scored this movie. And apparently it's, like, one it's of the awesome. most requested things he ever gets. He's like, I have made money off this movie for, like, the entirety of my career. More than anything else, this guy is – Philip Glass, like, again – sets the mood for this movie that is this huge psychological drama about what – what it is that what it is about mythology that actually scares us is it us or is it the myth themselves and i think what's yeah. interesting about candyman is it is a convalescence of both really we are important enough yeah, to I the mean, it, myth it, itself 
Yeah, I mean, it, it plays with us as the monster. It has a real monster. It plays with the sins of the past coming back to haunt us. This uh, constant fight for having to redefine who we are, which can be really terrifying when you start talking about insanity. Um, and just a really empathetic monster. Uh, Helen, our main lead actress, gets as much to do as any lead actress in a horror movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah. So it's just... It's just this mix of – it has so many ways with which you can examine it, right? It's not – it really is like a swarm of bees. There's so many little things to look at and pluck off the body of this film. And they're all they're all just, you know, sweet as honey. They're all sweet as honey. You know what I mean? This whole movie is just one little little bowl of honeycombs. It's a giant a chef's little, kiss. little bowl of honeycombs. Yeah, I just I love I love it so much, like a honey nut Cheerio. I don't know what, what happened there are at the you end. Doing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just trying to channel my inner dinner table guy. See what it's like. You know. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for Candyman. I hope you love this movie as much as we do. Um. Truly, this was one of the probably like 10 movies that we wrote down when we started this thing. Definitely. We couldn't wait to get to. Uh, I'm so glad we finally did. Join us tomorrow as we dive into Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh. Great Take title. a trip down to Nolens. To Nolens. Uh So we're going to go visit the whitest people in New Orleans and see what's up with yep. the Candyman in part two. Uh, thank you guys for spending so much time with us this month. Uh, we appreciate how many of you are doing every day with us. Please take a second, leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Find us on all your socials. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Share us on your socials. Give us a shout out. Help us be your victim. I don't know. I kind of went a little macho. Man, great, my voice game guy. Great Tony Todd impression or not? I'm not sure. No, I don't. I got another. I was going to try, but it just came out as macho. Man. Oh, yeah. What if the end of Candyman says, be my victim, brother? 